All right, so I want to ask y'all, what are you sipping on right now? Because most of us sip on just maybe some water or some drinks or some other things. But also what I really find is that people who are doing a lot of stuff, they often aren't eating. And if you're not eating, then you're not actually supporting yourself to have the energy to go through the day and to accomplish all the shit that you need to do. So one of the great tactics that I use is to heat up some kettle and fire bone broth and put it in one of those hot cups and just bring it around with me. I'll put some sea salt in there, a little bit extra, because I like a lot of extra salt, as you know from reading my book, Own the Day. But it already tastes great either way, and it's just the highest quality ingredients that use grass-fed bones, and it tastes delicious from the drop, and then you can mix in your own spices, or they have a bunch of soups that already have that done for you. And then if you just bring that in a thermos, you're going to make sure that you're nourishing yourself and also not spiking your blood sugar. It just fits so well with all of the current metabolic research that it only makes sense to just have that with you instead of just going from coffees to all these other things. Just bring the bone broth with you is like a great hack for your life. So definitely check that out and do that if you haven't already. I promise you're gonna see the benefits of that. So go to kettleandfire.com slash Aubrey. That's K-E-T-T-L-E. A-N-D-F-I-R-E dot com slash Aubrey. You'll get 15% off your order. Stock up. This stuff has a long shelf life. Like it's worth it to just have it in your pantry so that when you need it, when you're on the go, and then get yourself a nice hot thermos, whether that's a Yeti or whether that's something else, whatever you want, and then just bring it with you. And you know that you're going to be supporting yourself. And shit, if that's all you have for a current day and you're going like very low calorie and very low glycemic, you know, boost, you're still going to be receiving like so many benefits that it just makes sense. So check it out, kettleandfire.com slash Aubrey. Carrie Walsh Jennings is one of the best athletes of our era, period. She has three gold medals, a bronze medal, and she's not so happy about that bronze medal, actually, because her drive is to be the absolute best no matter what. But she also has such a well-rounded perspective on so many things. This podcast is not just your typical podcast with an athlete where we talk just about sport because she has so many other interests and we share so much other common ground in spirituality, philosophy, and of course, all of those things that make her the great volleyball player that she is. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Crazy. This decade right yeah it's been a hell of a decade <laughs> it's i mean I, a decade is far too long of a time span for me to even wrap my head around yeah <laughs> like, no i know who even was i a decade ago i don't even know truly i know but if you think for a second what comes to mind uh, d 10 years ago I mean, I was a baby, <laughs> like like it's from Avatar, you know, <laughs> you know, when Nate Thierry was talking to Jake, he's like, you're a baby, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, that was me. I was a baby. What a cool place to be. Just in a certain, in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I had my first kid 10 years ago. He's 10 and a half and I was a baby too <laughs> and still am. I feel like to a right. certain extent. And but that's the thing. Like I'll look back 10 years from now and be like. Oh, 38-year-old Aubrey. He was a baby. <laughs> I guess the goal is to be a baby your whole life, no? We're always going to be. I whether know. we we don't yeah, have to truly. set the goal yeah. to be, you know, to be whatever we are going to be because on the yeah. path of learning, we're always going to get better. So I guess be okay with it. Yeah. yeah. Be okay with it. Welcome. Thank you. So glad to have you here. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's just Thanks great. For getting me here. Of course. Yeah, we've been correspondent for a little while, but yeah. we finally made it happen. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'll obviously 
explain, you know, some of this in the intro that people have already heard, but, you know, tell people a little bit who don't know your journey. I mean, it's a pretty impressive journey that you've been on so far. And what I really liked from just talking to you so far is understanding that for you, even with all of the accolades and everything that you've achieved, like you're very much right in the journey still yourself, pursuing excellence in your own way and in different ways than probably you have been prior in your life. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's so interesting to talk about the concept of time, you know, in a decade and the life that's lived and the growth that happens because I have been living my life in quadrennials as an Olympic athlete. You know, every four years, there's this big event and it on paper defines my success, my failure. Quadrennial, yeah, it's real. Note that one for your next... (laughs) I guess it's too many letters for Scrabble, but oh, you how funny. yeah, you win if you, you win. get that. <laughs> if you put quadrennial, if you lay quadrennial down on a triple word score, you're crushing it. Yeah, I'm not a Scrabble player, but I would know that. Yeah. Um, no, so it's just my journey has been incredible. You know, start to finish, like it's just my whole life has been really blessed, and my path keeps unfolding. Um, most of it, all of it, is aligned to family and faith and athletics. You know, um, I've been a volleyball player since I was 10. I've been a pro beach volleyball player for since I was 22, and now I'm 41. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going for my six Olympics, which is really, really fun. Um, That's very impressive in and of itself. I mean, that is, those are many, many Olympics. I know. It's there's a not, lot. How, there's not a lot of people. What's the record? What's the most Olympics no, that anybody oh. has ever been in? I mean, I think for sure double digits because some people do summer and winter. Um, so I'm nothing special. Wait, some people do summer and winter Olympics? Yeah, they're gnarly. Yeah, and I can't tell you any athletes. Like there was a Swiss guy I met um, who literally had been to over 10 Olympics. Wow. Well, was, yeah. he like, was he like shooting? Per- perhaps. <laughs> or like however. archery or something like that? <laughs> I like actually I think he was. But, you know, the dedication and the discipline and all these things. And um, I think there's something special to be being a U.S. Olympian because in all of the world, you know, we live in a very populated, very blessed place, you know. And I think to excel in our country is a beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. I think I'm made of the Olympic spirit, mm-hmm. you know. Um but so anyhow, so my journey has been incredible and um, this will be my sixth games. I've won, been fortunate enough to win three golds and a bronze and the bronze was at the last showing in Rio, you know, three years ago. And so I want to go out on top, you know, and I want to keep growing. And I feel like throughout this journey as an athlete, I'm, I'm just growing into who I really am. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the, I'm just, yeah, I'm growing up, <laughs> you know, right. and it's so funny, like, I just, I want to be who I meant to be and I want to be the best in the world. And yet I don't want to worry about being the best in the world. I just want to give it my all, you know, but I'm, we were talking about it earlier. Like I'm so in this kind of weird zone where I want what I fucking want with all of my heart. I believe I'm going to get it. And yet I believe that it's the journey that's going to, the journey of joy and acceptance and allowing that's going to allow me to achieve, Mm. you know, but how do I allow when I'm so fixated on the end result? You know what I'm saying? That's the tension. That's the tension for all of us. And and Joe Dispenza talks about that. It's about, you know, having an intention and then surrendering to the greater mind and the field or the universe at large. There's a lot of vocabulary that you can use. You can get lost in the vocabulary, but it's the it's the balance between intention and surrender. Surrendering to the journey, surrendering to what will be and what is in the right accord, Mm -hmm. you know, what is in 
and also having a strong intention that you're actually calling forward with not only your work on the physical level, but your work on the mental level, your work on the mm-hmm. emotional level, eliminating the fears that you have, and even your work on the spiritual level, which was something that was interesting to hear you talk about. Because by now, you understand how to get your physical self ready for yes. the Olympics. Yeah. And I would dare even say get your mental self, for the large part, mm-hmm. pretty ready for that kind of level of competition, that level of of pressure the whole world watching you your emotions are definitely intertwined with all of that but the spiritual path that sounds like it's something that you're really pushing more energy into now probably than perhaps you know you did five olympics ago a hundred percent yeah i mean i just think that's where the juice of life is you know and i'm a spiritual beating being you know in this body that's finite and this lifetime that's finite but i believe i'm forever and i want to live in that space because i believe it's i believe in it first of all and i believe it's the most powerful mm-hmm. you know so it's a really fun but it's also so like i can't touch it you know and it's like i'm so used to like or stats. you're always touching oh uh, well it's i am always tu- <laughs> i am it yeah. right but you know what i'm saying it's like it's like i i measure everything in my life you know and i'm always looking for improvement and like on the stat line and and i always want to improve my numbers um but this part of the of the journey it's just less obvious to a certain extent it's just all about feeling Mm-hmm. which suits me because I'm a feeling human being. Um, but on this, ever since I prioritized kind of the spiritual side of it, I'm like an emotional fucking wreck. Really? Yes. Like Tell me it's, about that. I don't, and I, I don't even know how to speak to it. It's just like, I fancy myself a pretty grounded, calm, like I don't care unless I care. Like I'm not bothered by a lot of stuff, but um, I feel so sensitive to so much right now. And I don't know if it's because I want it so bad. And mm-hmm. there's that fear under that. If I don't get it, you know, what does so it do? So do you have an outcome specific idea of what your spiritual fruition looks like? No. Okay. So what is, so it's not that you're looking for an outcome that's saying that you want it so bad. I mean, obviously you want the gold medal so bad and we can talk about that more. Yeah. But from your spiritual path, what is it that you want? I mean, I want to be as close as to you know, a Christic being, I am a Christic being, like I want to be that at all times, uh-huh. you know, just super aligned to the divinity within, you know, and it's like, these are powerful words. I don't even know what they mean to a certain extent, you know, in my mind, you know, it's composure, it's grace, it's not judging myself or others, you know, it's all these things. Um, those are all, those are all attributes of, those are all kind of the side effects of what it looks like. Those are all the, the qualities that could describe that thing. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is, is that you come from a world where you achieve based upon effort, yes. right? Like you build yourself into an Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. You start with some kind of natural, perhaps talents and, and, and innate kind of abilities, but you build that step by step by step you build it through effort through will through trying through determination through mm-hmm. sweat and blood and tears and and working with your team and and working with your teammate and like building this in this kind of effort but on the spiritual path you actually have to go with a completely different paradigm which is understanding that you're already there. You've already got all the gold medals inside. You've already won. Right. <laughs> and it's just surrendering to the truth of who you are. Right. Which is the inverse. Totally. Of everything that you've done for your career. Yeah, how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the a, interesting question. Man. Yeah. I mean, I think on the, like, if you were to take out, 
I mean, how fun is it to have dreams and goals uh-huh. that you're shooting for, right? Like that's been such a valuable and beautiful part of my life. But within the, the frame of this conversation, um, I think it's easier to have that like kind of spiritual allowance when there's not a finite, okay, I have 360 days to do this. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That makes it more harder for me, I think, because maybe I want to rationalize and I do want to just work toward that goal, even though, yeah, in my mind, it's already done. And I sincerely believe that. So I just, I guess I just don't know how to talk about it, you know? Mm. But there's something, if you're saying that it's causing disturbance, there's some kind of misalignment. Yes. There's some kind of misalignment in it, and it, that'll be something for you to explore. It's difficult for anybody on the outside to see that, but I think... You're not going to fix me right now? <laughs> I mean, I, we could give it a fucking go, but I haven't, I haven't fixed myself, so <laughs> that's... I, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk to somebody who hasn't no. fixed themselves at all. Oh, so you're I don't so think, cute. I don't think the fixing is, is actually even well, a, a possible phrase. thing. Yeah. You know, but the... Because it's always just this kind of gentle... It's almost this excavation of ourself where it's more about removing the parts of us that believe that we're not. And this mm. is why, you know, we both have something in common in that we, you know, listen to Paul Selig's teachings, but really it's about recognizing what we always are. Like what is true is always true. That's yeah. one of his teachings. Sure. And what is true, the part of us that is true is always true. Yes. And it's just ourselves that convince us otherwise. Yeah. So it's really about removing all of the little falsities, all these little false notions and false ideas which is an act of surrender and love, loving those things that come up, mm-hmm. loving those challenges that you face, loving those disturbances, and, own, and knowing that that's just absolutely a part of this excavation yeah. process. I think that's so valuable. And before we even started, you mentioned unconditional forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's the second time this week someone has mentioned that to me. So I think there's something in that for me and for all of us. Really, I was having this conversation um, with Julia Payette, uh, Srimati, Rich Roll's wife. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've reached out to her as kind of a spiritual counselor. And I'm kind of having the same conversation. And a piece of advice she gave me, she's like, you need to love that part of yourself. That's the warrior that wants to kill. She's like, that's your birthright. Like, that's what you're made of. That's why you have done what you've done and why you will do what you will do. So stop judging that. And that was really, really liberating. And then to kind of connect it with someone else I look to for guidance um, through his work as Paul Selig, um, when I, when we have when I have my private session with him, I want to be like, I don't know what's holding me back. Like I look at myself all the time. Like the obvious fear is easy, you know, like the disruption that you sense when I'm talking, like, and the discomfort that I feel. Um, like the obvious stuff is easy, but there's something like layers deep that I don't even know how to get to. That mm-hmm. I believe is going to be, it's going to like come into line like a puzzle. Like I have all these puzzle pieces, and it's going to click once I kind of understand what that disturbance is in my field or whatever it is. Maybe well, it's a forgiveness thing. You might have an idea of what, about what the Christic being, and for those of you who don't understand what she's talking about, she's about talking about awakening the Christ consciousness within, mm-hmm. right? Like having that, which by its innate nature has unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, sees the kingdom, which is everywhere all around us, which yes. is seeing through the eyes of love. And, mm-hmm. and that aspect of yourself is you may have an idea of how that manifests and you may be in judgment of the other aspect of yourself with it, which is a killer, like you said, in your own language, someone who wants to go out there and win. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is just going to be reframing and saying that there is no way that the Christic being looks, right? There is no way that, and then there's nothing that that person 
has to be and has to act like is it does that person have to be a vegan you know do they have to like not play sports you know like (laughs) right and that's i think a a big part of like what we have to reframe is it's not just someone who's just sitting with like open palms like la 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 it doesn't have to be that no you know it's all is like one of the things paul selick says all is of god or nothing is right so like everything is like when you're going up and you're you know hammering a ball over a block Mm -hmm. and then like pumping your fists together and like yeah like that's god too that's christ too like all of these things are like an expression of the divine as well so where you may be in judgment and seeing discord there may be no discord at all yeah you might be able to do that now if at the end of the match it wasn't hugs and high fives and yeah. hey, good job. Well, then no, maybe, right? <laughs> then maybe, then maybe there is something you got to take yeah. a look at, right? Mm-hmm. You know. But as you play, you guys are both engaging in a game. Yeah, and fucking play that game all yeah, out, right? Shit. I mean, that's the ultimate respect in my mind is when you're competing and totally like, for blood because you respect them so much. Totally, you know the greatness in them. I want to bring out the greatness in me, mm-hmm. and I want to come out on top. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think a course. reframing is probably probably what's required because I'm not like it's so fun. And it it's is. my DNA. Like it if is. you met my family, you'd be like, "Oh, Carrie makes so much sense." You know, <laughs> I'm so proud of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, but it's it's certainly been a journey to like and to speak to these things. You know, I, I talk to myself a lot, but I don't say these things out loud. So, like trying to find find kind of a framework to understand these things. I think I should probably write more. Actually. Alan Watts is absolutely one of the icons of our time. Not only was he a philosopher, he was also extremely well-versed in a variety of different forms of spirituality, including Zen and Buddhism. And he was also a man. You know, he had his struggles. He had his challenges. He probably drank a little too much. He probably smoked a little too much. But nonetheless, he combined that essential nature of being a human being with the master's nature of being able to really go deep and explain things in a very poignant and poetic way. And that's one of the reasons I reached out to the Alan Watts Foundation to license his image for a shirt for the Aubrey Marcus collection, just out of pure respect and admiration for what he's brought to my life and what he's probably brought to a lot of your lives as well. So check it out. Take a look at the design. I think you guys are really going to dig it. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey and check out the Aubrey Marks collection and the new Alan Watts tee. And you can save 10% as always on everything by going to onit.com slash Aubrey. One of the biggest places I find conflict is in fighters, you know, fighters who are starting to get on the spiritual path because volleyball is something where it's it's a heated sport it's non-violent though but it's non-violent yeah. ultimately yeah. i mean like ultimately it's about moving a ball in places that are the most effective to win a game mm-hmm. you know fighting is also a game unless yeah. you're doing it in the street or unless you're doing it in war or some other thing but when you're using engaging it in a sport it's also a game but it's a game with very very harsh consequences yeah. You know what I mean? That can actually affect somebody's life moving forward. And so that's a much more difficult thing to reconcile. But still, nonetheless, the advice is the same. These Mm -hmm. are two people who are choosing a force of resistance in order to learn more about themselves. And like you have to respect that anybody who chooses that, we have free will Mm -hmm. and we all have the ways that we want to learn. Yeah. 
So, and those people are the catalyst. That's it. To so much growth. And you need. I'm sure you can look back. I mean, think about some of your rivals. Talk to us. Talk to us about some of your rivals. You know, some of the people who've pushed you to be the best version of who you are as a volleyball player. Man, I don't. I, I was just like, going to say, rivals. No, I've been yeah. fucking everybody up from the drop. Well, I want a bronze and I haven't been winning lately. So that's not the case. You know, it's kind of like to kind of to the point now where it's like the past success makes me insecure. Like I'm ready for some new wins, uh-huh. big wins, resounding wins um, on the world tour. But as far as rivals are concerned, like I'm kind of one of those athletes, like I'm in a team sport for a reason. You know, I do not want to do this on my own. And I think feeling lonely while you're competing is a really hard place to be. It's like being in a relationship, sharing a bed and feeling like you're, you're miles apart, you know, with your lover. Like it's kind of the same thing on the volleyball court. There's only two of you. Yeah. So the more connected you are, the better it is. And so I don't look at the rivals. I look at my team, you know, and um, my partners have been the best part of my my ride. My teammates have been the best part of this journey times a million. Um, and they've also been the hardest part. Sure. You know, because I'm built the way I'm built. I'm a lot. I talk fast. I feel a lot. I want to know what's going on. And I'm I'm relentless. And I know I am. And, you know, I try to be different and try to be less assaulting (laughs) on people. But it's hard for me. You know, there's, I just want to know so much and I want to give so much. Um, Every partner I've had, the main ones have all been the opposite of me. Like. Sure. Polarity. Yeah. Like, mom, like, don't talk. (laughs) And the more, the more I ask questions, the more they shut down. And, um, you know, energy is just really here, mm-hmm. like the opposite of me, you know? So there's something beautiful there. Cause I've, I've learned so much. I don't know if I've really put my learnings into practice, but, um, it's helped me to, to develop more, I guess, as a human, but, um, I yeah. So I think there's two, there's two threads there that I want to track down a little bit more. Cause I'm not quite willing to give up on this rivals thing. Okay. Is, uh, so there has to be, I mean, I don't know who it was. Maybe at some point, maybe it was the Brazilian team and it was maybe like, you knew that there was just some savages that you were going to have to face. Sure. And you met them, Every quad, you met I can tell in, you the team. You, yeah. You met them maybe in the circuits. Cause you do, I mean, you, it is quadrennial and that the Olympics are the most important thing, but there's world championships. We're a traveling circus. Your I guys, see the you guys are playing all the time. Every right? weekend, so you know yeah. that there's that one person the one team you're looking at it a few times and probably maybe a couple of them stick out in my who sure. who are some of the teams that you would see and you'd see across from you in the brackets and you'd be like oh okay okay generally speaking it's the other americans yeah. on the okay. world tour because uh-huh. there's a level of pride there you're like get off my turf like <laughs> you know we are the american team you right. know that being said brazil germany um the world is exceptionally good at volleyball right now which is so fun yeah um but like, if you think of rivals, like when I think of rivals, there's been a couple women who like, I've literally wanted to kick in the throat <laughs> while we're playing. Cause they just like, they bring out like, I'm like, fuck you. They're so aggressive in your face and they're kind of talking shit. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> you know? Um, and it's so fun. Um, Cause they, they bring out a different beast in me, you yeah. know? Um, and they're all American. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, yeah. um, which is really fun. Like there's this woman, Elaine Youngs, who literally I think she said to someone, I'm going to kick you in the throat. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, you believe it when she says yeah. this shit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, have you seen um, Jeremiah Johnson? I don't think so, no. Okay, it's an amazing movie, Robert Redford. And he's, you know, just lives in the out, he's a pioneer, he lives in the sticks. You know, he's a white man in Indian territory. And, and he kind of comes to terms with the Indians, but there's this one Indian that's always highly aggressive to him. And after the whole movie, like halfway through, he's like, why is this guy always yelling at me? Like, what's his problem? And I think the Indian elder was like, he's afraid of you. 
And so when I'm competing and when I get really loud, I'm like, fuck, there's fear there. Mm. I don't want that. And when everyone else is getting really, really loud, I'm like, oh, I smell that fear. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I, when I think about rivals and stuff, like I don't want to frame them that way because I don't know, it just, it feels like that's kind of fear-based, even yeah. though, I don't know, you know, well, it, could also, it. it could also be that quiet, smiling person that's just so good that you're like wow they don't even ever get rattled no shit yeah you know like i just smashed something you know down the line on them and they just kind of gave me a wink yeah like good one i want to be that girl that's what i want to be so bad (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, my game face is a smile yeah like a knowing smile right you know yeah that's that's the scariest thing actually i agree yeah just a stone-faced killer Mm-hmm. Um, a little psychopathic. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. And, and you see that kind of across the board. That's Michael Jordan, you know, that's like yeah. across every sport. That's how when you watch John Jones walk out, who's, yeah. you know, has the best record in the UFC, right? And mm-hmm. the most title defense is like you watch him walk out and he's just kind of smiling like, wow, the world is mine. This air that I'm breathing totally. is filling me up because it's my air and you're just participating yes. in it. You and know? it's not bullshit. It's not bullshit. And, yeah. it's, and it's translated to unbelievable results. Yeah. So, That's but what I guess, I'm after. Yeah. McGregor, Jordan. John yeah. Jones, like those are great. Old McGregor, yeah. No, for sure. Like old McGregor with new McGregor. But even when he when he was uh, getting ready to fight uh, Mayweather, uh-huh. like that whole buildup and him talking shit, like he he believed, in my opinion, he did. he did right. And then after he lost, he's like, "But I gave you a run." And I like in that moment had so much respect for sure. him because he just he had to believe in himself, otherwise he wouldn't have tried. And he was so authentically talking shit. And then once he lost, he owned it. And been like that. Ah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I could have. And Mayweather, but. Mayweather could have probably been like, "Yeah, only gave me a run because I was kind of letting you give oh. me a run." Like, I'm not oh, sure yeah. that I'm not sure that Mayweather couldn't have turned that on around one. But anyways, that's a oh, different how disc- funny. It's a different discussion. But well, that's th- his own fault. Yeah, but yeah. The uh, the thing that I'm you know I'm kind of pointing to here is that resistance is necessary to bring out our best, yes, right? Yeah. Like, and we need that as an athlete. We need that in all things. And I think mm-hmm. the universe is set up on our spiritual path so that we have resistance. And that resistance yeah. comes from within. Yeah. So yeah. it is absolutely natural, normal to be completely expected that as you are taking each step on the spiritual path, you're going to encounter resistance. And it's not going to be yeah. in another person. It could be hypothetically, but right. most of the most of the deepest resistance is going to come from within. And that's what's actually going to hone you as a spiritual being mm-hmm. you know and and yeah. people have like in this zoroastrian model or even the biblical model given one one name and one the other name but it's really all god and right. just different faces mm-hmm. different halloween masks on yeah. providing the resistance so that we can actually learn about our own divinity through opposition 100 and so anything that you're experiencing i would just look at it like oh okay here's like a little bit of a rival that's coming like here's yeah. a little bit of some point of resistance that I can apply myself and eventually get stronger through overcoming. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I know that my soul has invited all of the resistance in my life and all of the contrast. You know, mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks. Like, mm-hmm. I love her. I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I really do, I know, I know I create what I experience, you know, and in my career, if you kind of rewind three plus years to Rio, um, we won bronze and that was like heartbreaking and devastating. And yet fast forward to where we are today, like it had to happen. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it makes, you know, everything in retrospect makes sense, but it makes so much sense, you know, and just the growth that I've gotten and kind of the humble pie that I ate and ate and ate, like I was, you know, obese on this humble pie that I ate because I just kept punishing myself, Sure, you know, and I really had and to redefine myself. And everybody else that didn't get any medals were like, oh, poor oh, Carrie <laughs> has to eat humble pie, bronze humble pie. No, but we all, you know, we're all winning golds in our way. We're all winning bronzes in of our course. way. and. It, you know, I hear. I know, no, no look, I know. I what hear, a, what an you. asshole when you put it that way. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But you know what I'm saying. Of course, you know, and that's the fierce competitiveness that you have, and that's part of what drives you to be, you know, as great as you are. And that's something that you should always celebrate. Like the fact that that is humble pie for you, it should be. You know, like it, like that's all all is as it should be not that somebody else should have that but because it is it is what it should be right like that's a part of who you are and so it's just this radical form of acceptance like okay yeah it's bronze like that might be cool (laughs) for you know some of them but it's not good for me no so then that forces that drives you forward Mm -hmm. to continue to reinvent to reimagine and and just become the best version of yourself totally yeah yeah so then let's talk about teammate let's talk about your teammate a little bit because this is this is a relationship you know volleyball and on the beach at least is a Mm two-on-two sport so your teammate is probably as close a partnership outside of maybe a romantic partnership of pretty much anything that i'm aware of i mean i guess maybe there's some tennis doubles teams that have stuck together for you know five Wimbledon 10 Wimbledons or something like that like the Bryant brothers or something like that yeah Yeah, they're great they're good boys but you know but athletes that have gone through so many because each one of these is like a little ritual it's a little initiation every time you compete Mm -hmm. so that relationship is really crucial what are some of your both the challenges and some of the lessons that you've learned from you know having a teammate that's that close like conflict resolution all the things like the full gamut well it's so it's so beautiful and it's so fluid you know, because every human is so different and the way we problem solve and our perspective on certain situations is just night and day a lot of times, you know. So, but I feel like my first partnership with Misty May, who I'm sure you've heard mm-hmm. of, just amazing, of incredible legend. We had 10 plus years to grow together. And even on day one, we had this like unspoken chemistry and we we danced together on day one. And then we built upon that through adversity and losses and wins and life losses together, you know. Um and then I've had two Olympics without her, and I want that same magic, mm-hmm. but you can't rush it, you know, and yeah. it ha- it's going to be different. And I would never want my partner to be Misty ever. That's a disservice to everybody, and it's not possible, you know, but that being said, I want that feeling of like a deep, innate connection, um, which comes over time. Yeah. And a level of trust that is, you know, you have to go, you know, you have to be in the trenches together to earn that. And so um, with my partner, Brooke, who's such an incredible human being, like she's, I, it's just really hard for me because there's just, there's, I want it so bad and I want to know how she feels so bad and yet she doesn't express so well. You know, or it's just not a comfort zone to express. She sure. expresses very well. It's beautiful. It just, it's like pulling teeth to get out of her. Mm-hmm. And so it's been, we've had a year together and it's been interesting to try to crack that egg, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the way I am, I take up so much space and I'm so eager that I almost make that harder for her to speak up, Sure, you know? Um, and so I think total acceptance of your partner, 
you know, um, which I do. I love her. I see her for all she is, you know, and I just, I always just want a little bit more. Yeah. Same thing with my husband, you know, I accept him so much and he drives me fucking crazy <laughs> and I adore him, you know, but I just, I see the bigger picture even when, you know, I think he's been a shithead or whatever it is. And it's the same thing with my volleyball partnerships, you know, in volleyball, like you're so individually, like you responsible, like you, you, if you don't show up, you're, you're in trouble and you're selfish to a certain extent because you're going to leave your partner out to dry. Like you have to be all in and whatever you have that day, you bring hundred percent of that, but you're also so dependent upon your partner emotionally, mentally, and physically, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just that rad combination of vulnerability and responsibility, which I love, you know, yeah. it really does mirror a marriage. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I don't really have an answer for you, like best practices with regards to a partnership, you know, total acceptance, letting them be who they are and just knowing that it takes time to develop that basis of trust you know we'll i always start with the basis of respect thank god you know i wouldn't partner with that person if that were anywhere anywhere in the vicinity um but trust takes time you know actions over time in these situations that matter talk to me a little bit about commitment though because i think this is something that i think you face in a lot of any type of relationship Mm -hmm. right like things get tough and for a lot of people, there's that voice like, oh, fuck it, I'll just get a new partner. Right. You know, and, yeah. but, if, but the moment you do that, the moment you, that's the moment you're not all in. No. And that's no, no, the no, moment no. you're half in, half out, and that's yeah. going to deteriorate the partnership. Effed. So what, the, what is the way that you think about it yeah. you know, in, in any relationship, but particularly in, with the volleyball metaphor? You know, I think it's just like once you're committed, you're committed and you see it through, you know, um, my, the best piece of marriage advice I ever got is when things get hard, run together, not apart. And I've never been an athlete who's looked over my shoulder being like, oh, she's playing great. Like, I wonder what we could do. I've never, ever done that in my whole life. And it's made things so easy. You know, I think. How, how, how did you, how did you, how are you that person? Because I don't think that's a normal thing. I think most people would be like, oh, wow. Yeah. Homegirl's playing good. You know, like maybe I could up level, up level my career. I mean, you see it in most, most athletes, like across the board, like very few are like, you know what, like Cleveland's my hometown or Detroit's my hometown. Like this is my, this is my team. They're they're looking out and they're like, "Eh, Golden State looks pretty good right now. You know, like I might might just go. It's a different thing, but sure. But this is, this is much more intimate and it's much, much, much smaller team. But I still don't know. Maybe in volleyball, actually more people are like you than in other sports. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just wondering yeah. for you because that's a that's a very and to same me it's with your the husband. way. It's the it way. It is the way. It's to commit, but it's not normal, is what I'm saying. It's okay. this is something that's special. Sure, it's been modeled for me through my parents' marriage. Uh-huh. I mean, they've been through everything: loss of a child, loss of money, like life falling apart, and they just keep choosing each other, and it's like a non-option. You know, it's not an option to look away. Yeah. Um. And for me, it's like I've had partnerships. Um where I feel like I, I, I try to live it so honestly and so authentically and I give everything almost maybe too much, like I'm exhausting, you know? And if, if it comes to a point where, where I guess that belief or that like reciprocation, like isn't to the level where, where it doesn't feel right anymore, I'm comfortable moving on. But mm-hmm. I give it everything I have. Like I'm willing if if we're together, like let's fucking go. Like yeah. I will take you on your bad days because I, you know, I know you. I know your heart. I know you're good. I know sometimes we're all assholes. You know, I just I feel like I can see this bigger picture. But I also have a really high level of accountability. Mm-hmm. So if we're not playing good, the chances are I believe it's all me. Sure. You know, um, and I think that keeps me where I'm at because I've never played a perfect game. You know, I've never been perfect for my partner. 
and I believe I can be, you know, so I will always take ownership over that and then work to get the best out of myself with my partner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's, that's important. I mean, all the, it's all too easy to blame a partner in a relate in any relationship. Man. Say, Oh yeah, it's all them. I mean, I've been there. Like, yeah. oh yeah, it's all them. If I'm fine, but if they were just <laughs> doing this thing, but you look back with clarity and awareness, you realize every situation has been co-created. A hundred percent. You know. Yeah. Well, in that quote of Paul's, the masters, um, you cannot be a victim and a master at the same time. Like mm. that is it. You know, like if you want to own your life, if you want to have control, whatever control you have in a situation, you need to own it and act like you chose it to a certain extent, you know, and pointing the finger is never the way to go. You know, um, my husband and I almost got a divorce 10 years ago. I was literally a week overdue with my first child and my husband's like, I'm out of here. Wow. I can't fucking handle this anymore. And it had come after like a year of both of us pointing the finger, you know, and then finally in that moment, I'm like, oh fuck, he's serious. <laughs> and I need to, what is my part in this? You know, like what, what is holding me back from being the, the best partner, the best me I can be, you know, and I went to work on myself and I had trust and I prayed that my husband would do the same thing and be able to see me, um, in the way I believe that I am. I'm his girl forever. And he just forgot that. And mm-hmm. I stopped showing that side of me to him, you know? Um, but it was so liberating once I took ownership of my space in that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then to go to work, it was just so rewarding, you know, and it was so scary because I remember being like, fuck, man, what if when I come through this, like all I want is for both of us to have clarity, you know, and I know I was getting clearer and clearer every day on my side of it, my my baggage, my BS that I was bringing to my husband and blaming him for. And I was so worried that he wouldn't be doing his side of it, mm. you know, and that was what scared me most. Um, but I had to let go of that, too, because I have no control over that. Yeah. You know, and the thank best God thing he you did can his do work. is best thing you can do is lead by example. Exactly. Do your own work. Those are my favorite leaders. One of my favorite books is Lead Yourself First. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the best leaders in the world do it by example. You know, and they, they do it with a lot of self reflection and, you know, figuring out what they want, who they are, and they live by that. And so I certainly want to be that. I mean, that's very Christ like. So if I was gonna distill the wisdom of this is you do absolutely everything you possibly can to be the best partner you possibly can, do yes. all of the work. And then if in doing all that work, opening the door wide as many times as you can for the invitation for your partner to do the work as well and mm-hmm. to join you on this path and be reciprocal in their willingness to commit to the partnership. Yeah. You do that as to the greatest degree you possibly can. And if they decide not to walk through that door and not to, you know, open up that invitation, then that's where you have the boundary and discretion to say, you know, look, I love you always, but this isn't, this isn't really working anymore. Would yeah. you say that's kind of the distillation of yeah. the, the commitment to Thank partnership? Thank you for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. And something yeah. that's new to me in the world, um, just with my partnership with my partner Brooke, like wanting to be, wanting to be the best partner doesn't always mean making life perfect for her. Right. Like I don't need to feather her nest so much where she has this like caudal experience where she's not experiencing resistance. Like I'm finding myself this past year trying to fix everything and making it perfect. So she's comfortable. And that's like, Oh man, terrible. I've really fucked a lot of things up. Have you? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Cause like, and cause you want to, cause you want to do that. Right. I know. Like you want to do that for anybody you love friends, right? you know, like 
lovers, people that you really care about. You want to make it as easy as possible. I mean, I'm glad I'm learning some of these lessons now before I have kids because I would probably for sure like do too much. I know. It's so hard. (laughs) Of course, because you love them. Man, no, yeah, yeah. And totally. And my husband, he keeps telling me, he's like, Brooke is fucking tough. Like, she's a tough girl. And I'm like, I know. She's like, let her be tough. And the same thing with my children. Yeah, I feel like it's almost easier with my kids, but they're, you know, they're, their challenges in life as 10, 9, and 6-year-olds are obviously different than, you know, adults. Sure. That being said... Um, you can kind of get away with spoiling yeah. them a little oh, bit at that age. Well, it's my job. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit that <laughs> age, you know? my job a little bit. Yeah. That being said, like the thought of them going through heartbreak and, you know, like it like devastates me for them. Um, and but I how hope, much has the heartbreak benefited you in your life? No, I right? know. No, and I know. That's the thing, like, like, that's, but it, that's the, there's the tension fuck, again. It totally that right amount of tension is what I'm after. Yeah. You know, I don't want to suffocate things, and I don't want to be too lax. Like I want that right amount of tension. And what I what I, I guess I'm coming to find within relationships, within my desires to be who I want to, who I believe I can be, the outcomes I want, like. It's such a, a fluid situation. I find I keep going back and forth between too much and too little, you know, trying to find that middle ground. And I would like to clean up my act with regard to that, being a little bit like more crisp, you know, when I to pivot to like more of a central. I think it's one of those things. Did you see the movie Ford vs. Ferrari? Not yet. It's really good. You is should it? see it because okay. this is very much. It reminds me who is the who's the driver's name in Ford versus Ferrari? He was an, I think he was an Aussie guy. Um, Which character <clears throat> is he? Uh, he's the actual driver, and but Matt Damon, or? not Matt Damon, the other guy, uh, Christian Bale, and uh, Christian Bale's character. Anyways, I, I forget his actual real life name, but he was always talking about the perfect lap. Yeah, right. Like he was just chasing 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 the perfect laugh where every gear shift was perfect everything that he did was perfect from start to finish Mm -hmm. and it was really the chase of the perfection and in the movie they you know i think they took the hollywood liberty as like one of his last you know experiences he experienced that (laughs) that perfect lap right and maybe he actually did Ken ken miles so ken miles is chasing that and i think what you're talking about is you're talking about finding that perfect tension yeah but Anything that that has the word perfect in this messy, imperfect world right. is just an ideal. Yeah. And so all you're ever going to be able to do is chase that. The perfect match. Yeah. You know, the perfect, the perfect tension, the perfect balance. Mm-hmm. You're just going to be constantly, you can hold that as an ideal, but it's about the dance. You know, maybe you'll get closer to that, you know, and maybe for a little while you'll touch it. You know, yeah. you'll just touch that flow state that's like, oh shit, mm-hmm. like really, I'm really here I am in the sweet spot. But it's always going to be a pursuit, yeah. you know, the whole time. And that's, I think, something we all have to realize. And sometimes you're going to be way the fuck off course. No shit. You know, you're going to crash into the embankments <laughs> and you're going to, you know, like you're going to do it way uh, wrong. And then it's how quickly can you realize, like, yeah, I crashed into the embankments and it wasn't the car's fault, it was my fault. Right. Yeah, it's never the car's fault. In my analogy. In my analogy. In in that example. (laughs) I am my own car. Yeah. (laughs) In in your case, you are your own car. Yeah. Yeah, because the ball is the same. You know, the the sand is the same. Yeah. The net is the same. Yeah. You know, so it's really, it really is up to you. God, Um, it really is. Which is so, and as it should be. Like, it's such a metaphor for life, mm -hmm. my sport. Like, it's, I mean, all sports, I think, in general. It's it's really, really fun. I was interesting. I was, you know, best friends with Bodie Miller, who's an Olympic skier. Oh, yeah. And do you ever get to know Bodie? A little bit. He yeah. married a volleyball player. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God, her name is Morgan. Me. Morgan. She's wonderful. Yeah. What a beautiful family they have. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. family. Yeah. But you know, even skiers, like your skis, which you think are like, yeah. you think you think skis are like the same, but skis make a huge difference when you're talking about fractions of a second whatever the edge you put on them depending on the conditions whatever the wax you put on them so it definitely gave all skiers a chance to be like and Bodhi was really good about this because he took pretty radical ownership of stuff but still nonetheless the reality is you got skis and you got skis that may or may not have been tuned kind of like a like a race car driver like the tires and the engine everything may have been tuned right for the course or not yeah but that so that gives you like a little bit of an out so right. maybe sometimes it was the skis, oh, <laughs> maybe funny. sometimes it wasn't the skis. Yeah, yeah. And with a car race car driver, maybe sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. But in volleyball, like it's pretty much always you. No, a hundred percent. And same with life <laughs> yeah. for the most part. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, I, you sign up for these things knowing that these variables are going to happen, and it comes down to how you respond to them, right? Sure. The shitty skis or the the sure. misaligned tires sure. or whatever it is. You can still win a race with shitty skis. No and shit. You can still win and you know you can do anything with whatever odds are stacked against you. You know, you can score 55 with the flu. Right. You know, like no, there's, exactly. there's been players who've been notorious for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I if you were to ask me what a perfect, you know, lap or perfect match looks like, I wouldn't even know what to say. Like I just I'm going after a feeling. Mm. You know, and the feeling of like that was fucking satisfying. Like, I don't want it to be like a relief, like, uh, it's done. We did it, you know, cause I, I've done that and it's yeah. exhaust. The whole time is exhausting. If you end up feeling, ex- you know, that relief, I want to like, I want satisfaction, satisfaction when it's messy. Cause I know it's a step towards something uh-huh. satisfaction, you know, through it all. Like that's really what I'm going after. All right, y'all. Have you tried the juve red light therapy yet? Because if you haven't, you really just don't know what it's going to do. And that's like an interesting thing to have in your brain. It's like an unfinished loop. Like, yeah, maybe this does something that's going to dramatically improve my performance in the bedroom, that's going to dramatically improve my recovery, that's going to have a huge benefit on my life. But you don't really know unless you try it. And there's no guarantee that you're going to see these dramatic effects. But a lot of people, myself included, do actually experience these dramatic effects and there's great science behind it so if you have that curiosity it's not such a large investment especially if you get like the juve mini or one of the smaller lights to try out that it isn't worth trying it because the cost benefit is there because if it really works man it's worth it so juve has absolutely the best red light therapy and i just encourage you guys to give it a try if you're curious so go to juve.com slash aubrey that's j double o double v dot com slash aubrey and use the code aubrey you'll get a free gift and i think this could be a huge addition to your life so i encourage you guys to do that once again juve.com slash aubrey tell me about what it's like to win the gold medal and then what it's like after you win the gold medal is there like is there because my mom talked about it she was a professional tennis player and she would win she never won a, a grand slam but she made it semifinals of wimbledon and won oh, wow. a lot of other tournaments up to that and she would always say you know you would be going towards something mm-hmm. you'd win and then you'd be like oh now what do i do the letdown is real the letdown is real yeah yeah well especially i mean after if you're going after a major in tennis or at yeah. the olympics which is a four-year journey you know olympics that, probably more so than anything because even i would with think a, even so. with a major they're doing four of those a year right you got right and Aussie, world series French, every year yeah. US, you know yeah 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 so i mean the there's a post-olympic depression that i wonder what percentage of athletes go through it 
or they even recognize that they're they have the blues because of it you know it's but i've lived it um mm. i've had my life torn apart after the olympics <laughs> being like what the fuck because i was so so singularly focused on winning uh-huh. like every single day of the four years i was focused on august 8th 2008 <laughs> winning this olympic medal and i lost four years of life like yeah. literally, but there was something so rewarding and so fun. I felt like a warrior every one of those days, but the life side of my life was like non-existent. And I took for granted that my people knew I loved them and they were on it with me when they weren't, you know, cause mm-hmm. I didn't invite them. I just, you know, they were kind of in the periphery, you yeah, know, you but winning is so push fleeting. to the side yeah. and focus on that one goal, that, that worthy goal. Yeah. And then after that's done, you've attained the goal. Which in your mind, I think you trick yourself to think that's the only thing that matters. But then you go yeah, back to totally. ordinary life and like, oh, I did that, but now I have life. It's and sad. Yeah, that yeah. matters too. Great lesson. Great, great lesson. You know that my my child came after the our first child came after the Beijing Olympics, and that's when I was just laser focused. My husband was piecing out, and that led us on this journey to like, you know, just coming together again. Basically, you know, we have three kids now, um, but to win, it's like. The losses stay with me so much longer than the wins. You know, I win and I'm like, fuck, I'm what's, like you said, what's next? Like it's it's immediate and I can't even help it. It's not even a thought that I have to think. It's like, it just shows up. Okay, what's next? What am I going for? So when that goes away, um, you know, there's a feeling of pride and you're like, we did it and it's mm-hmm. amazing and beautiful. And it's just kind of another brick in the wall toward where are you going next? You know, but it's a greedy feeling. Like I love the feeling and it's beautiful and I hope everyone can experience, you know, infinite wins in their life you know and with that though comes plenty of losses that are essential to just getting the greatness out of you you know but fuck it hurts to lose yeah like thank goodness i love winning so much because that fuels me because i <laughs> like winning just hurts my soul <laughs> or losing hurts my soul yeah winning like fortifies me but i think there's some also lessons in saying that <clears throat> i think a lot of people think you know what if I just won, if I just won a gold medal, my whole life would be oh, gravy man. train. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll just dance around in the room with my gold medal all the time. Oh, all day. you'd be sad and lonely. <laughs> yeah, like it's not. It doesn't work that way. They're not even like real solid gold. First of all. <laughs> I mean, the journey to it is priceless, like right. literally priceless. Steal all my medals. Like, I, I don't care. I got, I got the juice of it. Ah, but then you know? nonetheless, here comes, here we come back but to the I same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but right, here comes back to the same thing where you were talking about your sports psychologist. Is that yeah, sure. right now? Sports yeah. psychologist who was trying to remind you like, hey, by the way, like it's the journey that's yeah. the most important thing. Well, he's reminding me, he's like, because you chose you chose that the priority needs to be the journey, yeah, not the destination. So you're contradicting yourself. So, you know, get your ass in gear. And I still uh, clearly, like I will talk all day long about being spiritual and, you know, aligning and like all these things I truly believe in. And at, at the end of every sentence, I want to say, I'm going to fucking win. I want to fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's, of like, I, it's like I have Tourette's, you of know, course. and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's like, I, it's just in me and needs to come out uh-huh. but i'm gonna own that as my birthright <laughs> yeah of course and i think this is where this is where there could be perceived a paradox but how do you collapse the paradox of wanting something that is outcome dependent but right. recognizing that the journey towards that outcome thing 
is actually where you need to focus. Yeah. And and that's I think for all of us to figure out because we there are all things that we want, but if we just think that the getting of that thing at all no. cost is going to bring us fulfillment, Mm-mm. we're never going to be fulfilled. So it has to go back to the journey as far as the quality of our life and how yeah. well we lived, but nonetheless we still want these things. Right. So then how you merge those two together. And that seems to be the spot where you're really in because right now, like this is your chance to figure that out for yourself. And it's a chance that we can all figure out for ourselves. We all want to have that company. We all want to get that, Mm -hmm. you know, guy or girl or whoever that is or have whatever accolade that we're looking for, whatever, you know, validation we're looking for, whatever goal we want to achieve, whatever thing we want. But we also a lot of us should know that it's the journey to getting that that's actually the most important. So how do you reconcile both of those things? Yeah, Aubrey. Well, write a book about it later. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that meme? Um, I think that's how you say it. So there's this, it's like a photo on Instagram and it's like two pictures and one is like a Zen master meditating and they're glowing. Side by side is the guy from 3000, the Sparta, you know, like- oh, 300, yeah. 300. Oh, is it 300? Yeah. yeah excuse me. 300. Um, and so it's like this warrior- who is so spiritual in the way he does things and he's so connected, but, and then connected to a, you know, side by side by a Zen master. And it's like, they, they, you can be both. You can be. You can be both. And that's what I'm after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why not? And And I think it's, I think it's a myth. I think actually that split of those two things is one of the biggest problems that we've faced. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. The first moniker, when I started my podcast, I called it the Warrior Poet Project mm-hmm. because I understood that Warrior Poet implied these two disparate elements and archetypes. There's yeah. the poet and then there's the warrior. Poet's supposed to be bookish and supposed to be intellectual and supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, kind of slight and all of these different other stereotypes of what a poet looks like. And then there's the warrior. And I was like, well, that's not the way it always was. Right. Like Miyamoto Musashi, the greatest swordsman of all time, was incredible at calligraphy was an incredible writer was like understanding to be well-rounded socrates perhaps one of the greatest philosophers of all time was a fierce and savage warrior in the greek army yeah you know so he there's stories from alcibiades where alcibiades lost his shield i think it was alcibiades i'm pretty sure but alcibiades lost his shield went away from the way they they used to fight in formation Uh like went out forward in front of the formation lost his shield was being engulfed by the enemy and socrates comes running across jumps in front of him with his shield and holds the ground until the rest of the greek forces could push forward and like protect him right like That's Socrates. But we don't understand that that well-rounded understanding is actually what brings us to greatness in all things. Yeah, Like there's things that Socrates learned from battle that he couldn't learn from the academy and he couldn't learn from just talking. And there's things that he learned you know, from talking that he couldn't learn from battle. Yeah. And so like, if we can harmonize all that, we'll just be a better, more well-rounded person in everything that we do. Yeah, it's like people, the culture or historians, they want to pick the one thing they perceive to be the greatest character attribute about Socrates. And they go with that, you know, his intellect and his wisdom. And then perhaps, I I mean, I had no idea about that. Not that I know everything far from that, but that what a rad complete picture of a human being. Mm -hmm. And I feel like perhaps it's time to sell, tell the stories of the two sides of the moon. Tell the full full spectrum. And also like masculine and feminine, right? These are things that people have tied to genders. Right. Woman supposed to be feminine. 
man supposed to be masculine. But I think a man and a woman and anything else in between, you know, you want to have both of those characteristics so that you're a balanced individual, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's really the goal. Like a man should be able to express masculine characteristics and feminine characteristics. A a woman should be able to express both. Mm -hmm. And I think actually probably nobody does that better in film, I think, than James Cameron. Yeah. I think like when you think about, did you see the movie Avatar? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. So Neytiri, like the heroine in mm-hmm. Avatar, right, mm-hmm. expresses both that deep spiritual understanding and that, yeah. that kind of softness and the sweetness that would be part of the traditional feminine archetype, mm-hmm. right? But then also that this incredible ferocity, you know, where yeah. Jake's body falls lifeless because he goes back into the machine simulation and mm-hmm. she just stands there snarling with a knife out right and i think half the world's population fell in love with this blue alien at that yeah. point because i think we're naturally attracted to these balanced people totally. same yeah. with a man who can be like leonidas the spartan mm-hmm. but when leonidas is crying and saying my love as the arrows from xerxes you know go yeah. through his body and all he's thinking about at that point is his love mm-hmm. like that's the balanced expression of emotion before service right so yeah. it's it's this balanced thing that we all naturally inherently fall in love with yeah but the stories aren't told that way no man your recall is incredible <laughs> first of all yeah and you know just i've just watched those movies way too I, many I, times you make this, me want to go this watch is both a, of them. this is a skewed perspective because <laughs> well, i've like, seen them far too I many like times i like what you're pulling out of them you know and i think you know, as I kind of near toward the end of my Olympic career and my competitive career and, and in my life with my marriage, like I am so alpha in so many ways, you know, and it serves me really well, you know, because um, I want to take up space and I want to lead and I want to do these things and I want to go for the throat, you know, these are part of me and I live mm-hmm. in that space because I work a lot, you know, like my, my work-life balance work wins a lot. Um, and then when I go home, my, my husband is alpha, he's a man. And yet I don't let give him the space to be that. And like, and then, you know, on the other side, when I'm on the court, I want to be more feminine and let my partner's alpha come out more. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, this is a, the, like, I want to live in my divine femininity more. Cause to me that that's so powerful, so beautiful. It's, it's so sexy and humble and it's just nurturing and powerful. You know, and it was so cool to hear you speak about that because that's like what I'm after. You know, when I see my husband, I see that yeah. and I want that. And I like want him to own me and take care of me. And I want to own him and know that, you know, we own each other. Like, it's just, you know, I, I want that give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I go, like, it's part of my career now too, because that's going to allow the juice of what I want. You yeah. know, like that depth is so beautiful. And it's the depth to me, you know, while allowing, you know, my partners to to rise and show up and be all that they are. Yeah. And it's so important in any kind of partnership that people are able to fill both of those roles. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing that I think is really valuable is when you can have both and you can flex, mm-hmm. you know, like not flex like a bodybuilder. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about like flex, which different polarity that you want to express. Right. So that if some, if, if somebody in your partnership is, down and weak and you're usually the one who's strong and like you know or they're usually the one that's strong and they're usually the one taking charge and handling stuff like you have that within you to take care of that yeah and be fiery and like 
and and allow that expression to go where or the opposite where you yeah. can both just actualize both both parts it's so fluid and it should be so it should fluid be. And, and i just and, think and our habits for it to be fluid so you have to know both you have to you be have able to, to you have yeah. to have both within you yeah so i think the awareness that we are both is a we big always first are. step <laughs> yeah. you've used the word birthright a lot yeah. like i think our birthright is yeah. is a balanced individual mm-hmm. you know i think we have these ideas of you complete me and yes like the expression of certain of your innate characteristics is good for the bedroom and it's good for certain situations yeah. like it's nice to have polarity so you're not both exactly the same but Two of me so would you be can terrible. yeah <laughs> so you can you can like it, it is good in some cases to have that tension and complementariness but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you can't both have access to both of these yeah. things like if either one of you're in a romantic relationship either partner gets sick both people should be able to play nurse you know if right, your kids right. get sick like both people should be able to stay at home and like take care totally, of them and, yeah. and like handle that situation yeah and that's how a partnership really becomes the strongest totally and something that i just felt inspired to share i learned this when i was in marriage counseling when i'm you know we almost got divorced um our psychologist was like because for me like i just kind of the analogy was carrie you can walk a million miles with a pebble in your shoe you have a very high threshold you know, and you're just, you see the big picture, what, whatever reason you can walk a million miles with up on your shirt, your husband can walk a step, you know, mm-hmm. so your thresholds are different. But for me, someone who can endure a lot and, you know, whatever that says about me, um, I, uh, oh my God, where was I going with this? Oh, bring me back. Okay. So you're capable of something that's yes. different innately just by your natural oh. characteristics. Okay. So butting heads and getting into it, arguing, whatever it is, there's there's intimacy there. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that shouldn't be encouraged. Like don't like live in arguments, but like it was so liberating for me to hear that because I, you know, like I was running away from that because I didn't want to cause problems and like, you know, cause a storm. But he's like, when he was like, there's intimacy when you engage, when you have arguments, because clarity comes, you know, depth comes, new understanding comes. It was so powerful for me. And moving forward on my career, it's the same shit. You got to have these conversations. You have to be willing to rock the boat because that's where the depth lies, you know? So it totally is such a mirror, you know, sport, life, relationships. It's all the same. You know, I guess it's like, what, what do you want? And then mm. you just have to do what do what it takes, and what it takes is different, you know, from case to case, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. With your kids, you know, obviously you've seen how much value you've gotten from sport, mm-hmm. not just for the you know the things that sport has gotten you from a monetary or career standpoint, yeah. but just from what it's given you internally as this yeah. kind of sandbox for you to learn these lessons in life. Mm-hmm. What's your approach to encouraging them? to engage in sports like how are you handling that i mean you know it's nature and nurture you know it's in their blood to compete and to play and we certainly encourage it you know they play whatever sports in season Mm -hmm. um but our our joey our number one um our eldest is just a baller like he loves it you know Mm -hmm. he will go and practice for hours sundance our second uh boy um he's incredible he He's like, no, I'll pass on baseball this year. You know, he's such a cruiser, but he's thoughtful about it. And there's never any pressure, you know, because yeah. like there's no there's no value if you're going to force your ch- you know child to go do something. They're not going to want to be there. It's going to disrupt. It's painful. Um, you know, and our daughter competes as well. So it's just like we encourage it because of all of the priceless life lessons, you know. And sure. in my heart, I hope they compete. I hope they play. Um, mostly because I'm biased to what I've gotten out of it. You know yeah. the priceless experience, um, and I want them to have that. But if they're in a band, 
amazing. You know, I just want sure. them to connect with their, you know, the talents they're blessed with. I want them to be curious about their potential and I want them to learn how to, you know, like maneuver in a team setting because that's what life is. You know? it's, it almost seems like no matter what it is, there, there needs to be some situation where the stakes are high and you're exposed and vulnerable. Yeah. And sports do that. Right. You know, right. like it's you, there's no, people true. in the crowd, there's like results, you're exposed and you have to reconcile the fact that you're exposed because that's going to come in life. That's going to come in your yeah. careers and your relationships and everything else. So a band is a great example because if you're in a band, you're exposed and vulnerable, you're on a stage, they may cheer, they may love you, they may hate you. If you're in theater, yeah. it's actually something very similar. I did oh some like you know, after I was finished with my athletic career, I got into theater. Yeah, and how ballsy. That was so, it was the same thing, like game yeah. day and, and opening day for a new play. I mean, those oh, were very, those were like very similar experiences. Yeah. Like, Whoa. And then you look out and you appear like, I always, I always take a look, you know, even if it was game day, you know, I'd like always like to take a look at the crowd, yeah. and, you know, take a sneak peek of the crowd as it was going and just so I could visualize it oh, right. before we did our little warm up thing. I was a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with an on like opening night or all the other theater, I'd always want to look out on the crowd or if I'm about to give a speech mm-hmm. now, yeah. you know, I was just at the Paramount theater with Gary Vee and I'm like, Oh, I want to see the crowd. You yeah. know, I want to like know what I'm going out into. Yeah. And then like allow that to be like, okay, here we go. You know, <clears throat> and I think whatever that thing like is, it. you need that. As yes, a, as a, for you sure. need that in development. Yeah. You need that and like and you continue, I think, to need that to yeah. really know you don't know yourself until you test yourself. It's right. Jordan Peterson says all the time. Right. I love him. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's one of the best rad. thinkers of all time. Yeah. My cousin just did his uh program at Acton. Oh, cool. oh yeah, that Marsha. You met her. Yeah. Do you remember her? She you inter she interviewed you and she got highest GPA in that little Acton course and her presentation was dope. And you were a part of that. Amazing. Oh my god, I totally forgot. Thank yeah, you. Of course. <laughs> I was just in Austin two days ago. Yeah. We flew by each other. Um yeah, no, it's just yeah, sports yeah, it just prods you, you know, provoked to change. I love that phrase. You know, and sports sport, sports has provoked me in every way and relationships have done the same, you know, and I, I don't know how you get that unless you're kind of, you know, kind of putting yourself, you're in, to put yourself in the there. arena. All right. You got this Olympics coming up. Yes. What's the, you know, real quick here before we wrap this up, what do you, what is, what's your, what's your path? What's your plan? What are you doing? How are you going to come home with that, with that shiny gold that you want? Well, A, it's already done. So it's we're already good. fucking done. <laughs> It's already done. I've already called it from the field. I'm wearing it already. It's shiny. It's gold. It's not solid gold, so I can't (laughs) bite it and make a dent. But nonetheless, it's gold in color. Oh, man. You know, I literally want to just, I want to own my moments. I want to, you know, I just, I want to be as present as possible. Um, Be where my feet are. My, you know, Mike Gervais, my performance psychologist always says that if you can be where your feet are, that's your point of power. That's going to allow you to do, to be, to have what you want. Um, and so my mission is just to live each moment with all my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and then the end result I know will take care of itself and I will not be ashamed. I will not be, if it doesn't happen, I will not be whatever it is um, because I will have lived it right. I just, I want to have no regrets, Yeah, you know, and if I live it. the moments, then I'm, I'm good. I'm golden. It's an important lesson because so often we can regret something based upon a result, even if we've yeah. given it our best, but that's such fallacy. Totally. You know, yeah. because like you'd lay it all out there, you give it your best and you got nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, really at that point, like fuck the results. Like a hundred percent. Usually yeah. some time is required to go by to see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like even with the bronze, I have no, I had shame. I had a lot of shame. 
right after that. And then perspective is just like, no, dude, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like what an opportunity to keep fighting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So live my moments. Man. The queen of the moment. I can't wait to watch. Yeah, please cheer. Send your mojo. This is going to be so cool. Uh, Where are the Olympics? I should know. Tokyo. Tokyo, that's Yeah, August 7th, 2020, gold medal match. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys are all cordially invited. going to Japan, everybody. (laughs) Dude, Japan is... I've always wanted to go to Japan. Tokyo is next level. Yeah. You will love it. Yeah. I have this dream of climbing Mount Fuji, Mm. starting before sunrise and arriving at sunrise after we win amazing yeah so that's on the vision i've board heard too. i've heard stories from other people who've been to japan for other reasons oh. i was telling a story about there's an actual this is a complete derail of the conversation <laughs> but there's an actual bar you can go to i think they call it the anus steakhouse oh. and you go in there and you get to choose a butt to lick no before you, before you eat your steak Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the fetish people are. <laughs> so, so listen, we're going to cheer you on. I may right. or may not be at Anus Steakhouse. <laughs> for a few, well, just for, bring some breath mints if you come to the game. <laughs> and perhaps some hand sanitizer. <laughs> Holy shit. Who? Wow. Do you know someone who's been? I, I can't even because I'm yes, very I've visual. Heard, I've, heard not... a, I've heard a story. It's, yeah. yeah, it's mostly just, I'll give you the picture. It's just a wall. There it is. There no, it is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that, yeah, that's amazing. So many glorious things about you. Look, I got Truly. a samurai tattooed on my ribs. Obviously, I have a huge affinity for the Japanese yeah. culture and all Oh, no. The reverence they show in their day to day culture is it's, beautiful. It's incredible. I have a question. What does your rose symbolize? The rose, yeah, this was something that, um, my grandma always had roses in a rose garden and it was something that was always like really closely affiliated with my family. But to me, it symbolizes a lot of different things because I actually did a spiritual diet where I meditated with the rose, the essence of rose for a long time. Okay. And a rose is one of those few plants that can say so many different things. It can say, I love you. Thank you. You know, you're welcome. Let's fuck. Like congratulations. Bravo. It's you know, like, like a rose. Or yeah, a rose has so many different meanings. Okay. Um, the red color is typically, you know, signifies love or mm-hmm. passion. And that was blended with this quill pen, which was my commitment to writing. And this quill pen is, is white with hints of blue. And that was my commitment to truth. So passion and truth was the symbol that I, I had love there. It. Yeah, I was just you. told that the rose symbolizes Mother Mary, which makes me love it even more. Yeah, sure. She's my home. Great symbol for that. Yeah, beautiful. Well, this was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, I'm glad pleasure. we made this happen. It was phenomenal. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, for Thank sure. You. And anything else you want to no. highlight, people? Nothing. No? Just nothing. Send your love. Let's yeah. all win together. Send, send love to Tokyo. And maybe yeah. I convinced well, a few way. people with the Anus Steakhouse. You don't have to admit that's why you're going. Oh, if that's my. Why Is that an official partner of this podcast? I didn't read the Use fine code print. Aubrey at entrance <laughs> and receive one free lick upon <laughs> entrance. Sorry, I think we're done. Yeah, I, think, I think that's it. I think we nailed good it. Good rapper. Thank you. You're Thank very you, good Carrie. at this. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate that. Bye, everybody. Much love. Peace. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Make sure you check out Carrie when she's playing for the US in Japan. That's going to be awesome. And also, if you haven't yet, hit me up on the text service, 512-572-5222. Hit Aubrey Marcus up on the low 
or something like that. I don't know how that song goes, but please do. We got inspirational text coming every single day and it's just normal text and data rates and it's a cool service. I think you guys will really dig it. I've gotten great feedback from everybody. So once again, that number is 512-572-5222. Otherwise, I will see you guys next week. Much love. Peace.